It's only entertainment. Welcome back to the Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. Today, we've got the CEO, Chairman, and Founder, Jim Cassiopo of Juicy Holdings. Jim, thanks for being on the Talking Hedge. Thank you, Josh. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. How did you become uh, the CEO of Juicy Holdings? How, how did it all get started? So, uh, you know, I had a long uh, career in the hedge fund business. Uh, I, I ran two large hedge funds, five billion and five and a half billion, two and a half billion. And, uh, and I came down to Florida seven years ago and decided to sort of chill out. And, uh, and, I, and, and cannabis investing came to me. People were like, hey, you should take a look at this in around 2015. Uh, and I invested through the fund in about uh, 25 different cannabis investments. Uh, and then at one point, I decided the best uh, opportunity was uh, the uh, U.S. multi-state operators. But there were no, at that time, there were no great available uh, companies with good management teams. So I thought the best investment opportunity was to actually start a company. And I brought a bunch of people together to start Jushi. So you created a, a multi-state operator out of Florida, one of the um, one of the states that still doesn't have like a strong, you know, wreck uh, uh, market. The medical market is even a little rougher. Um, and so, are you anticipating that market to open up, or is that just a place that you decided? Well, Florida. To- I live in Florida, so we 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 started the company in Florida because I live here, not because we have operations. We do not have operations in Florida. Uh, I think the medical market is actually quite strong in Florida. It's just very concentrated at the top. So the the top, you know, four or five companies do very well. The way the pro one of the reasons why we're not in Florida is the way the program is written. It's hard for the uh, late adopters. Where in other states we went to, uh, we felt that it was much more even playing field. So uh, what you'll see in Florida, pretty well developed medical market, bigger than our biggest state, which is Pennsylvania. Um, and it's a bigger state. It's 21 million people versus 13 million people in Pennsylvania. Uh, Pennsylvania is pretty close to Florida in terms of patients. You know, it's not that far away uh, compared to population. And Pennsylvania started later. So I like Pennsylvania better than Florida. Uh, but the problem with uh, Florida is truly that's 50 percent market share. Um, and uh, the way the state regs work, being a uh, vertical company without wholesale markets, so you can't buy or sell cannabis in a regular way to, with other uh, operators. So it's this, there's this big premium on really focusing on Florida, all your capital. So Florida was kind of, uh, if you even look at the big companies, the biggest companies like GTI, as an example, you know they haven't spent a ton of time building out their Florida operations. I think they will uh, shortly, but they haven't yet because it's a big capital hog and, and there's been better markets, although I think Florida is a very good market. Viridian Capital said that you guys are going to have significant acquisition in the near term. You guys have already uh, had some acquisitions. That's how you got into Pennsylvania. Um, are you guys going to be looking to the south in like places like Puerto Rico, for example? No, no. So our states right now are Pennsylvania is our number one. Number two is Illinois. Number three is Virginia. That's a that's the main game at Jushi. Then our three smaller states uh, are Ohio. Uh, Nevada and California. So we have six states. We announced a deal that's not closed yet in Massachusetts um, uh, for a company called Nature's Remedy of Massachusetts. And we're very excited about that deal. So that's our uh, uh, first acquisition that we announced this year. 
Um, and I think we'll announce some more. And I think they'll mostly be in our. Well, we actually announced a second deal. We're, we're acquiring a grow in Ohio. We have a manufacturing facility now requiring a grow. So there's two deals we announced this year. I think the, the, the other deals uh, will be uh, uh, primarily, I believe, in the states we're already in, although we could do a new state at any time. But I think we're going to be in states already in and just we, we believe in sort of getting big in the states we're in. Uh, but 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 uh, we very, very well could get started on, a, on a, our eighth state because we have seven with Massachusetts. California not focused on we're not focused on Puerto Rico. We do, however, have some international exposure through Portugal. We have a we have a 51 percent ownership in a, 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 a grow company. And we're in the process of financing that and building out a grow in Portugal. Interesting. California, you're, you're in. That's the world's fifth largest um, economy by GDP. Um, Pennsylvania is still kind of emerging. Virginia hasn't done anything. Ohio, not much. But those are all kind of um, red states, I think. Um, and so I'm, I'm interested in Virginia. Are there any states that you're excited about that you're that you're in that you're looking to kind of expand or? Well, I, I think listen, I think I mean, if you look at our top three states, uh, Pennsylvania, I think everybody thinks it's been the best medical market uh, thus far of any medical markets uh, it just it's growing very very fast very high adoption rates the uh, government did a great job of, of of including the doctors and the medical community in the program early on so they felt comfortable with prescribing it um, and then uh, the law makes sense because there's enough grow processors to have a good wholesale market but also not too many to to not allow the, the early adopters like us to really, you know, put a lot of money into it with, with an idea that we'll be able to generate a good revenue and good margins. On the store side, similar as the grower processors, there's about 210 stores right now that you can open up and more than half are already open. So it's been a great state uh, that will go recreational, we believe, in 2023. We believe there'll be some really interesting things coming out. So that's really exciting for Jushi. Uh, Illinois is the state that is probably considered the best uh, recreational market. We have four super stores there. I mean, they, they're they just amazing. They're some of the highest performing stores in the state. Uh, we're probably doing something like $80 million run rate revenue annualized just out of uh, our, our locations in, uh, could be north of 80 million in Illinois, which is a big number for four stores. Um, Virginia, we call the sleeping giant. Uh, Virginia is an amazing state. You know, it's, it's all Democrat. Uh, it's it's the governor's Democrat, the state legislature, everything. You know, even the federal senators and the Congress people are primarily Democrats. All this, you know, but it's a Democrat state, and and it's, and it's gone from a sleepy medical program to one that's adding flour. Sleepy because it just started. It just started in the fourth quarter of 2020, so it's brand new. Uh, and and we have huge upside in Virginia, but it's, the market's just getting going. And then in the uh, in the fourth quarter or maybe late third quarter, I forget, they're going to add flour. We're, we're able to, it's already passed. I just don't know when the start date is off the top of my head, but I believe it's uh, definitely early early fourth quarter, if not late third quarter. Um, and and uh, oh, that's a great state. We're vertical. We have the exclusive right to sell into Northern Virginia. So we're the only licensed operator that can sell into Northern Virginia. And we have a we're vertical. We have a 90,000 square foot grow facility we're building out. It's already operational at 30,000 uh, feet. And we have uh, one store open, another one coming in September, and hopefully another one by December or January. And then we'll build out the rest next year. 
that we have we have nine acres of land to actually more than double the size of our grow processor facility to prepare us for adult use markets, which which they've already passed the laws going adult use, i.e. recreational in the early part of 2000, January of 2024. So Virginia's, I mean, you look at, you know, if you buy juicy stock, you know, in our numbers, there are, you get almost no Virginia, right? Because it's just opened up. And if you look by 2024, it's going to be a tremendous market for us. I mean, there'll be a tremendous market growing every year, but it'll be a very big market for sure in 2024. So um, I would say, you know, that gives us, you know, probably the highest organic non-M&A growth rate, one of the highest, certainly, in the industry mm-hmm. for years to come. Yeah, I'm interested to see what happens with Pennsylvania. You said it's a really strong medical market. They have contacted me. I've been following automated pre-roll and joint machines for you know over half a decade. In Pennsylvania, I get more calls than anywhere else. So I feel like they, they kind of know the industry. They know what's going on. They know what they want to manufacture. Um, whereas like Ohio, they try to do that thing where only five license holders could could run the state. And I think Florida tried another similar bill. So not sure how those are going to pan out, but I am excited about Pennsylvania just because it seems like a lot of the folks there kind of are, are driving um, the trends and, and they seem to know what they're doing. Um, but I'm curious with uh, you guys, according to Seeking Alpha, being the best performing property sector since the start of 2019 with the 150% increase uh, last year. Uh, how is it that you guys are doing that when MedMen is collapsing? Well, uh, you know, um, uh, there's some good performing companies uh, besides us, but we've been at the, you know, pretty, pretty top in terms of sales growth. Um, so, so MedMen obviously had a lot of issues. Um, uh, so we don't compare our, the, ourselves to them very, very much. But so we chose good states, right? If you look at the top three states that we have, they're great states: Pennsylvania, Virginia, and Illinois. Nobody would argue with that. Uh, um, and then uh, the other states are fine states: Ohio, a little further behind, maybe a couple years behind Pennsylvania, maybe three years. So it's it's coming. We have a small investment there. You need to be there early to get you know figure out your acquisition strategy. And Nevada and California are more developed recreational states. We're learning a lot about a lot about recreational. I think you know California said fifth largest economy. It is the largest cannabis market in the world as a state. Period. End of story. Largest cannabis market in the world. So you know, I mean, we did a great job of picking states, and our growth rate uh, right now, uh, we grew uh, revenues thirty percent from two thousand uh, the fourth quarter of two thousand. Uh, in 20, so that's you know the end of December of 2020 to the first quarter, the end of March of 2021, our revenue quarter over quarter grew at 30% or maybe 28%. And, the, and then the quarter before that was 30% from the third quarter of 20 to fourth quarter. So we've consistently been putting up these big numbers. It's going to dip down a little bit in Q2 of this year. Uh, the growth rate, not revenues won't dip, but the growth rate will just because of the cadence of our opening stores and bringing on square feet of grow. But that'll really pick up toward the end of the year as we bring on. Uh, we have currently opened, I believe, 18 stores, and we're adding 10 more or so by the end of the year, not in counting acquisitions. Okay, so I've read somewhere that you guys are going to try and double the amount of retail you have within 18 months. So it looks like you guys are already not. Yeah, I mean, and, yeah, I mean, we, we, yeah, we're, we're. I think that's, I think that's correct. Yeah, I think actually, it'll, it, with the acquisitions, it'll certainly double. Yes. So, so that's a great question, though. How much is that going to be from acquisitions and how much is it going to be from ground up? And 
But I think we can get to double not much with acquisition. So I think right now we've opened up, if I if I remember the numbers correctly, four stores this year. So so that means if you go back to the beginning of the year, we would have had uh, 14 stores open. Uh, and then so so um, this year uh, we uh, will have opened about 14 stores. So it you know not, not, it could I mean I it, 18 months we we certainly will get there. But you know we'll certainly double our store base organically in the next 18 months. Yeah. So uh, and then acquisitions will get us beyond that. But from this point on, you know now we have almost 18 stores open, right? So uh, I think we're going to open another 10 this year, right? That gets you to 28, okay? And then that means I need to get to double at eight more stores. I know I'm opening next year uh, uh, four more, I believe it is, in Virginia, right? Three or four more. So that gets you very close to doubling it just with that. So we just need a few from acquisitions to double it again um, um, from this point on. So we're on a rate of doubling our stores. We keep doing that. And I think that's driving growth rate. The other thing, uh, to answer your question about what makes us, you know, a, a, a high-performing uh, equity security and 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 high-growing stock in terms of revenues, is we're bringing on massive amount of cultivation space uh, in Pennsylvania this year, and we have planned to actually do more of that next year in Pennsylvania. And the Virginia, and in Virginia, we're doing the same thing. So we're growing our cultivation footprint and becoming quite a big vertical state in our two of our three top markets. Is that part of your main strategy? There was an analyst that said that he expects a $50 million revenue jump. Is that going to be the, the bulk of that coming from cultivation or is it going to be a combination of cultivation and your retail expansion? Oh, no. With all those stores, it's definitely both. It's definitely both. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we are a company that started out, I would say, retail first, meaning we did uh, retail acquisitions first. And we did that because we thought they were more valuable licenses because you have the NIMBY effect, not in my backyard. And I think we were, we were proven correct in Pennsylvania as an example. I mean, around the country, but I think Pennsylvania is an example. Because if you look in Pennsylvania, you know, you can't even buy a retail license right now. Uh, I know there's a bunch of companies like Cresco that love to own more retail, Terrasend, and there's no acquisitions to have. And the prices have gone way, way up. Uh, we bought uh, 18 stores for $80 million. I think the market value of those licenses now you know, is hundreds of millions, if not a half a billion. So we were right on retail. Meanwhile, we bought an underperforming grower processor last year with a cash tight parent last year for $37 million in Pennsylvania that we we're expanding next year to 190,000 square feet and then potentially doubling that again if we if, if we decide REC is coming and we want to make that kind of investment. So there was no question that retail was a better way to go first. And we're, now we're doing vertical integration wherever we can. We'll be vertically integrated, we think, across all our markets eventually. So you won't go to a place like Washington State that's not vertically integrated? No. Would you go to Washington State if it was? No. Uh, we won't go to Washington State anytime soon. Uh, it's, it, it's Washington and Oregon are two states that we haven't spent a lot of time on. Uh, and, and, uh, uh, and it's not that we couldn't make money there. We just don't know them that well. If we went into a mature market, California is considered a mature market. So our mature play is California. Uh, the reason why we like that is because there's limited licenses 
in certain retail jurisdictions. Like for example, we own a store in Santa Barbara. There's only two other stores in Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara is a great place. There's a university, there's 9 million tourists a year. There's a bunch of dry counties around it. You have Montecito next to it. So Santa Barbara is great. So you know, we, we think there's opportunity to get limited licenses in California. And we're looking to do, we have four, we have two open in, in Santa Barbara and Palm Springs. Uh, and we have one in Grover Beach that we hope to open in September. And, and then we have a fourth in Culver City that we won. We won a license that should open next year in Q2. So we'll, we, have, we, we have four dispensaries. We hope to take that to 10 as our next milestone at some point next year. Um, and, you know, it's tough to do deals in California. I mean, there's a lot of legacy um, uh, 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 folks that haven't been paying their 280E. There's some regulatory violations. So you don't always close the deals you start to close. So we, you know, but we keep pushing on and we, we want to be one of the biggest uh, retailers in California. Uh, we also think we could go vertical. Why would we go vertical in California? Well, uh, you know, uh, there's great genetics out there, uh, which for the long term be very helpful. There's great talent out there. And, and uh, uh, so we think, you know, a premium flower company, for example, could fit right in with what we're doing around the country. And we add and cross fertilize talent around the country. So the California is our mature market play. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying when once we grow out all of the sort of more limited license states on the East Coast and the Midwest, we wouldn't go to other states that are more mature. But right now we have our hands full with all the growth that we can manage, really, um, you know, without going to Oregon or Washington. Yeah, it'd have to make financial sense. I think Willie Nelson left recently from Washington. It just didn't make financial sense for him. And I know a friend who uh, gave back his retail license to the state because he couldn't do anything with it. He couldn't even sell it. So he just gave it back. Whereas in other states like Arizona, where it's much more speculative, a license for a single location could go as much as $25 million. So there's there's better places to go, I think. But you, you on your website, it says opportunistic acquisitions and then distressed workouts. Yeah. So I'm curious what what that what that means to you guys. So um, so I have a background. So the hedge fund business, I um, operate the distressed world. Uh, for a number of years, um, and and um, uh, and I, you know, helped to take over companies uh, that were uh, not able to pay their bills, you know, as they were coming due, and turn them around. So we have that as a core skill competency. I hired a couple of folks who used to work for me in the hedge fund world at Jushi, so we're as good at acquiring stuff. There's a lot of cannabis companies right now with 280e taxes, uh, people who have overexpanded. Who just are having they have good asset value they'll get paid well you know to sell their companies to companies like ours but they cannot they can't really generate much of a profit and so we can take that do a better job of buying better job of expanding and putting money into it typically requires money and talent and so yeah no we've done that almost every acquisition we've done has in some way or another been a build out or a turnaround so for example when we when we started in Pennsylvania, we bought two companies for with 15 store licenses, right? And there were only two or two open, and we now we're at four. You know, in Pennsylvania, we're at uh, uh, 12 open. So, so you know, um, uh, uh, you know, we we're, we're building out. Is that distress? Well, they didn't have the money to build it out, so they had to sell. So yeah, I mean, it's kind of kind of is, you know, uh, kind of isn't and kind of is, depending how you want to look at it. Um, you know, Illinois, we bought assets that might have been doing seven million of revenue uh, out of two stores. We flipped those medical stores to recreation. Now we have four stores doing like 80 million. 
So you tell me, you know, were they distressed? No, but you know, did they have the money to invest? Were they running them the right way? No. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, so each, you know, each, and then the, I think the best example is in, in Pennsylvania, the grower processor, you know, we bought a grower processor and, and we bought three dispensaries for $42 million, 37 for the grower processor, five for the grow, uh, uh, dispensaries. Right. And, you know, I mean, when you look at the multiple that we bought those for, once we develop those assets, you know, it could be one to two times EBITDA, which is really, really cheap. So is it distressed that one? I think so. I mean, nobody should really sold that cheap. So, so yeah, I mean, we, we've been executing on that. And I think one of the plays on Jushi, I think there's multiple ways to look at Jushi and say why would I want to invest in Jushi. One is we have great states. Two, I think we have a management team that's done a good job and has to continue to execute, uh, but it's done a good job. Uh, and and we, we built out management. We were actually a management first company we were remember i told you when i got into this i got in because i didn't think there were any mso's that had great management that i can invest in so we created a team around that so you get that you get our state footprint which has i think the growthiest profile of any company virginia almost no revenues now going to wreck in 2024 pennsylvania hopefully a half built out medical market going fully built out and wrecked by the end of 20 you know by sometime in 23 maybe the beginning so you have two huge things going on in our company right there. But on top of that, we have, you know, the capability to bring in very, very accretive acquisitions. And, you know, and we've, and we've shown our ability to do that with two deals recently. One was that deal in Pennsylvania, I'm talking about the grow processor uh, and, and retail that we bought last year in the middle of COVID. So we, we signed the deal in COVID, we diligence in COVID, we financed it in COVID, and we closed it in August when COVID was still flying high. So, you know, I think that they needed the money and we were able to raise that money. So I think that's a good example. The other one is in Massachusetts recently, uh, we bought Nature's Remedy, signed a deal. You know, it's a company that, you know, we're buying uh, that has very good expansion opportunities in the wholesale market. And we're picking it up at, you know, three, to three, three and a half times EBITDA. Tremendous accretive acquisition. So with Jushi, you have this platform where we can add this cash flow stream onto our existing general administrative expenses without, so we could do very creative deals because we don't have to really build out the management team that much anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm curious with your um, M&A strategies, obviously the states that you're in are, with the exception of California, are, are smaller states, Pennsylvania and Virginia, Ohio, in terms of uh, patients and um, uh, the, the um, cannabis market as a whole isn't totally mature yet. So I like to ask a, a similar question to, to all of my guests about M&A strategies looking at a place like Oregon versus Oklahoma. So Oklahoma has 7,500 licenses. Oregon has half that. So after you're done building out and you start looking at, you know, maybe the West Coast, um, what would you look at? Would you look at Oklahoma or would you look at, at Oregon or either? You know, I actually can't can't speak to that with any uh, particular authority because I don't know either of those markets very well. Um, so we're constrained right now in doing deals, right? We can't do everything that's in front of us. Why are we constrained? The amount of capital we can deploy and our management team can only take on so much at once. So we have a lineup of states we want to get into before those states. And those are the ones we're educated on. So, you know, I think, I think, you know, for Jushi, Nevada, Illinois, California, Ohio, 
those are all like big target states for us. After that, we probably be really interested in states like New Jersey, New York, Maryland, you know? So we have a bunch of states, maybe Florida, you know? So we have a bunch of states we're looking at uh, that just we have such a kind of line of things to build this to, to as, as large a company that's out there. And we, we won't get to those states for a long time, so we're not very knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. Are you guys able to utilize sale leaseback options? Are you using the capital uh, being publicly traded? Uh, what tools do you have being that banking and finance is limited to the industry? So we can, we have, we have a, a sale leaseback facility in Pennsylvania. We inherited it. Um, and and uh, I, don't, I don't think, we're not looking to take down a ton more of those because they tend to be long-term if we go federally legal because you can't refinance those. So it's an option we have that we utilize strategically, but we prefer equity capital markets first and then a corporate debt deal at usually level second, and that's really our third option. Okay, sounds good. I wanna get into um, your first quarter earnings. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, an overview on on uh, first quarter financial results? Uh, well, we're announcing those. Uh, we pre-announced those, but we're going to a full announcement in a few days. Um, the first quarter, we grew revenue. We gave out revenue, and we grew revenue uh, about 30% from the quarter before. And that was basically uh, due to the, the Illinois stores that we opened up in January and um, um, uh, it was January, December, and then we added another one in Pennsylvania. We had great organic growth at our existing outlet. That was amazing for that 30% quarter over quarter growth. So it's pretty straightforward. And, and, our, and our numbers continue to be fairly straightforward. We keep opening up a lot of stores and adding some of the cultivation. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about um, 2020 earnings? Um, looking at the current price of your stock uh, at the Canadian Stock Exchange is about around 710. Uh, earnings per share is is negative a dollar. Um, but when you're looking at um, at your enterprise multiples, it's relatively cheap. If you have sales that are actually ready to soar, like you're mentioning, um, those growing pains are going to go away really, really quick. Uh, after those are released, what's uh, for for the investors that are looking at when do you anticipate to having those released? Oh, the numbers will be released this week. We we, we got our audit done. Um, we we had a little bit of a snafu uh, with our old auditor. Uh, we announced that we're moving to a new auditor. I think I think the old auditor was basically substantially getting out of hand and reducing our exposure, and they just just were overcommitted uh, and they couldn't get our numbers done. And so there was very few adjustments and it's not that complicated. It just took about a month longer than it should have. Um, unfortunate, we don't like to see that happen. We're gonna do an investigation, you know, any attorney reasons why that happened. But I, the biggest reason is the auditor just couldn't get the job done. Uh, so we switched to auditors, uh, subject to the vote. Um, our, our numbers going forward is the way you wanna look at Jushi. I think if you look at a growth company, if you look at, the great growth companies out there like Zoom video. You don't look at Zoom video in 2020 or 2021. You're looking at Zoom in 2004 or 2020. And I think people have to change their perception to look at cannabis 
not in 2020 or 21, but really 22 to 24, 25. That's, I mean, sales are growing that fast. We're a huge growth company. Um, and when you look at those years of the multiple are very small. You know, they're, they're right now, you know, you're talking about, you know, single digit and, and maybe even lower single digit numbers, depending on how far you go out in the spectrum of years. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a inexpensive stock that's really very fast. If you look out a few years, like you could be. Well, if we are looking out a few years, um, we've seen the political landscape change dramatically. You guys are already internationally. What's that going to look like in a few years? Are you guys going to be looking at, you know, marijuana lounges or, or kind of obscure investments overseas? Maybe not Puerto Rico, but, but maybe somewhere else. Uh, wh what is it going to look like in a few years with the, the, the way that the political landscape is is um, shifting and adjusting in favor of cannabis? Yeah, I mean, our, our focus outside of the U.S. Is in, uh, is in Europe, uh, and we're doing this deal in Portugal to build out a big facility there that we own 51% of. Uh, I believe that'll be um, complete and be able to generate revenue for 2022. There'll be a big ramp up in Europe. That'll be years behind the U.S. Was it two years or five years? I don't know. Uh, but, but we think uh, it's a very conservative uh, program they have over there, mostly just in Germany, medical. And you, you're going to see other countries like France and U.K., maybe one of them goes adult use. So we like Europe. And if you go over to Europe, there's more people over there than there are in the U.S., so it's going to be just you. REITs uh, and MSOs are kind of giving opportunities for investors to get in without necessarily um, buying a producer or processor. So it's an interesting play for a lot of folks. Um, and I'm curious how that's going to play out uh, long term with, um, you know, federally um, at that level. So is it going to continue to offer a, a positive investment for uh, for retail investors um, at, at, at with the federal level? Um, is it going to create new opportunities? Well, I, I, I think the needs are a more defensive way to play it in a way. It depends on the price they're trading at. I haven't been following their stock to understand if they're expensive or not. But I think the are once it goes federally legal, it's competing with banks, so the growth will come down. You know, what's on their books will be on their books. But I do think they'll have uh, a, a fair amount of uh, a capability to get bought out by other groups because it's a very specialized asset class that other people might want to, uh, uh, you know, get into. And it might be much quicker to buy some of these uh, REITs that exist versus um, building that. Okay. Any chance that you guys might be getting into the uh, Asian market at all? If you guys are no, looking to not, Europe? Not, no, 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 no. I mean, Europe is a big game for us. We tend to want to focus on the big games. And, and you know, uh, in Asia, it's a very difficult place to do business. Um, where Europe, you know, they're Westerners, like we're Westerners, um, and their laws are much more similar to ours, particularly in the UK um, and, and the EU generally. Um, so we, you know, we, we, you know, we really prefer Europe and, you know, I think there's 500 and something million people over there. So there's plenty of cannabis to sell over there. Mm -hmm. What does that strategy look like? Are you going to try to just follow suit what everyone else is doing and just sending, uh, cannabis flower through Canada to places like Germany, or are you guys going a different route 
with with retail focus, this uh, pharmacies. Uh, what does that strategy look like for rolling out a European uh, yeah, brand? Yeah. Our, our European strategy is very different, you know, than what's out there. We are just building a bit of ability in what we think is a low cost, most politically stable region, which is Portugal. And, and the facility is built over there and will sell the product in the EU. It'll be grown in the EU. We have no desire to export from North America or anywhere else to the EU. We believe, like most farming it tends to be protected by the continent we think that it's going to be much more favorable to be close to your market and the costs are very reasonable in portugal you know portugal reminds me a lot of california the sun likes to shine greenhouses work well and outdoor work well um so you know i don't see any reason to go outside the eu uh to, to be honest with you okay yeah, I mean, uh, there's probably some some smart individuals out there, but it seems like through your acquisitions, you're already picking a lot of that up. You mentioned California being a, a lot of top talent, um, definitely uh, some some great cultivars, some strains, genetics uh, being out of there. Um, what's the advantages of your acquisitions? Is it the is it the people or is it the IP? I mean, if you had to just kind of nail it down to one thing, you you have these accretive deals. What's What's the number one thing you're, you, you, what's the number one takeaway from all of these mergers? Well, I think each deal is different. So when we bought Pennsylvania retail, we bought licenses basically. So we, we had pieces of paper effectively. And we bought the global processor. We had a, a piece of paper with an existing operation that was you know already built out. Uh, we did it, we did an acquisition in Colorado that was just IP and talent. We, we needed our own cannabis talent. So we have our cannabis center excellence in Colorado. We don't, we're not in the business of Colorado. We don't sell anything in Colorado. We have an office there, a headquarters office. That's our center of excellence. Um, now, going and looking at our Massachusetts deal, we think we got talent, we got cash flow, we got expansion capabilities, and we got a license in, you know, two retail and one. So we got all of that, you know. So as we go forward, we will be different. If we do California cultivation, it's going to be related to genetics and uh, uh, production, cash flow, and talent. So, like, we're not going to do it if it doesn't have all that. But each deal is different. And we're still doing license deals. Like Grover Beach, we, we announced that actually this year, too. It's a small deal. I mean, now, now it's Palm Springs. Th those are two dispensaries in California. We basically bought licenses, you know. So we still just buy licenses. Those are the most immediate deals you know, when you buy a license. Because you're not buying cash flow, so that you know they're not valued that high. Um, so each each deal's different, and we have the flexibility to focus where we where we want to focus. Mm -hmm. Now, is Colorado too uh, competitive? Is there too many players? Is that why you've chosen not to get in there? I would say Colorado is uh, probably better than Oregon and Washington, uh, and there could be a consolidation strategy there sooner or later. Mm -hmm. um, but, but um, um, you know, it, again, it's not one of those markets that we have prioritized. Um, you haven't seen a lot of MSOs get into it. Columbia Care has, uh, but there's not many MSOs that have gotten into Colorado. Uh, so I think when you look at how you value cannabis companies, I think there's a, a relationship between a relationship between your growth rate, right? Your growth rate of sales and earnings relative to your multiple the higher your growth rates the higher multiple you're going to get if i take on mature states like colorado 
without a strategy to grow it, which would have to be through roll up and acquisitions, because it doesn't grow organically nearly as high as Jushi's revenues do, I would I would lose my, my growth rate would come down. So that's not that's something that would although it would be accretive to us likely, it wouldn't be strategically I think what our investors are looking for us to do, unless we had a way to you know, really bolster it likely through just rolling, you know, a bunch of dispensaries up or something like that. So th that's how we would look at getting into it like that. But I think we're years off from that. When does that apex occur for the, <laughs> the opportune time for you to look at uh, markets like that? Because with capitulation or, or forced mergers, the consolidation is, is right <laughs> right now. But I feel like it's just kind of the beginning of, of a massive market consolidation. When do you anticipate that to kind of be full, <coughs> like come come full market um, and have a lot of these failures that we've been, been anticipating? Listen, I think I think that in Colorado, as an example, you're you know purely doing the deal there, outdoor growth. And I think you're likely to see companies like Philly, who is pretty full, their footprint's full. Their growth rates can be probably much lower than ours because they're not going to grow much by acquisition. They're multi-organic growth company. So companies like that, I'm not saying that they're going to go do more of that. They, their ones are more likely to be in Colorado or Washington or Oregon sooner than us. Um, uh, we have much more growth related to acquisitions in a markets that have much more organic growth in the market. So you buy it, and that asset can say, I want its own in that market. That's what we're focused on. Um, other people, I think, will get focused on those kind of markets. I mean, Columbia Care already bought in Colorado. Big acquisition, too. Well, what's next? What does your crystal ball say that's going to happen in the industry uh, moving forward, 2022 and beyond? you have a crystal ball that you feel like uh, explaining? or? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I don't think my crystal ball is better than anybody else's, to be quite honest. I mean, there's a lot of smart people looking at the industry. Um, but I think the federal legalization is 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 there's – there's a range of possibilities. Um, I think, you know, uh, the seventh jury leader, uh, uh, Chuck Schumer is gonna put out the bill of bills, you know, a really big one that's everything in it. We'll see that, we'll see where that goes. Um, I think the, the federal side of it's a little bit like a black box. You know, you don't know what's in that box and it's harder to judge. Uh, but I do think it's a question of time, not a question of if. Um, so, so, so it's just a question of when it becomes federally legal. Um, I would say that m my base case is more likely full legalization is somewhere between, uh, 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 you know, you know, three to five years as opposed to sooner, and and it may not even happen in that time frame. But sooner than that, you'll hopefully get to more targeted things like banking, right? You know, uh, reform, uh, which would help the industry out like tax reform. So we'll see how, how it goes. But the full the full kahuna of descheduling could be many years off. How would banking help the industry? Well, right now we don't get much uh, bank debt by federally chartered institutions or even regional banks. Uh, we were at a regional bank recently um, and they, you know, the team wanted, the team at the bank wanted to do a very uh, appropriate loan and they got up to their CEO and he shot it down. That's the second time that's happened to us. It happened a few years ago as well. So, you, you, you know, you don't have access by and large to bank debt. There's a little bit out there, very little. In other words, you can't take credit cards. If you look at paydays, our sales boost up around payday, payday and a few days after because people can't buy on credit. Uh, so credit cards will help out. But, you know, better payment processing. 
Uh, also, uh, banking reform may allow us to get directly, directly listed in the U.S. Uh, now, we have a ticker symbol over here. We trade over here on the OTC, but it's not a U.S. listing. A U.S. listing would open up our investor base. I think banking reform might cause some investors who aren't currently investing in cannabis to get involved in cannabis. So I think valuations could go up. I think there's a lot of very positive things that can happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, you mentioned California as being, you know, the number one cannabis uh, place in the world. Uh, you said hands down. What is going to be not the worst state, <laughs> but maybe what's going to be the last state to legalize? <clears throat> so to California be regulated. Is the biggest market in the world. Yeah. So you're saying which is the which is the slow state? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm thinking Idaho might be the last state. I'm maybe not. I, the I, I tend to focus on big states, so let's talk about big states. All right. I think slow-moving states are states like Texas, big states. Uh, that's a, that's the second biggest state in the country. It's a slow-moving state. I think it could speed up a little bit. Uh, there's a company out there who only three licenses in Texas, for example, and they just decided to invest in their license. So maybe that's a sign that you know the ice is uh, thawing in Texas. There's some reason to believe. So that, I think that's a state that um, is late, very late. Uh, and might continue to be. Georgia's another one, very big state. With uh, the top 15 states, I tend not to, it's, it's not driving our numbers. So it's not something we're focused on. Other companies, again, if you look at it purely, yeah, they could go out in Idaho and, you know, Utah and like, you know, you know, because they, they're full everywhere else. But 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 we have a lot of room to run in, in, in the larger states where you can really get economies of scale. So I'm assuming you guys, you will jump into Texas. I'm, I'm guessing that New Mexico, um, the eastern, eastern part of New Mexico is going to see a lot of cannabis sales from from northwest Texas kind of going across the border, buying yeah, and coming yeah. back. Is that going to be an indicator for you on if or when to jump into that Texas market? Well, there's only three licenses. So I think it takes some reform in Texas where they add more licenses and stuff like that. Uh, in Georgia, they're right now doing a licensing thing for five licenses. So that market will take some time. You asked me for the slow moving states. So these states will take years uh, to, to really get to the point where the, mar the market gets interesting on a medical basis for Pennsylvania, um, let alone adult use. So you have years to go, many years. So I'm in Seattle. I saw the headquarters of um, of Boeing leave to go to Illinois for that 0% tax rate. And probably one of the reasons- You mean tax Texas, right? Uh, no, Boeing went. Their headquarters for Boeing went from Seattle, from Washington State to uh, to Illinois. Oh, okay. And uh, Illinois ended up uh, legalizing cannabis shortly after that because they probably didn't have any any tax revenue. Um, and so I'm just curious: is, is that um, an issue with other states you're looking at? Kentucky being the number one most underfunded pension plan in the country, even though uh, Chuck Schumer isn't going to do anything uh, about it. Um, is that going to play how broke these countries are? Does that have anything to do with the legalization we're seeing in Virginia and New Jersey and, and some of these other states? Yeah, I think, listen, I think it's, they all want the tax revenue. They can all use the tax revenue. So I, I, don't, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say how broke are they? I would say like, I don't know any politicians that wouldn't spend more money if they had access to more money. So, so, and then I think, but the more likely case in states is that, you know, they have some things they want to do or they have some gaps they want to plug. 
Now, COVID caused the gaps to get big, but there recently was a federal bailout, so to speak, where the Fed sent a lot of money to the states. But that's a one-time thing, the, 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 the federal money. And, the, and then after they cycle through that over the next 12 months, they'll get back to reality where they have to balance their budgets. And, and so, yeah, I think that's a big factor in, in moving it along. But, but I think it's going beyond that. There's also, like in New York, there's also something to do with popular opinion. Um, uh, I think that that um, if you look at the um, uh, swing states as an example of where the real where the real uh, rubber meets the road in terms of popularity, you know, in Florida when they went when they uh, did the the, the medical uh, bill, uh, it got about seventy percent of the vote. In Ohio, they had like sixty three to sixty five percent of the vote. You know, those are swing states. Those are real swing states. So, so um, you know, the people are clearly for it, and you know, and now you know the horses are out of the barn. You know, sixty-five or seventy percent of the country lives in legal states, and and uh, so the, the federal the federal government's way behind it. Some of these state programs are pretty far behind. New York, for example, was way behind. They had an awful medical program. Now they're jumping right to recreational, um, but but they were way behind. Uh, you know, Cuomo didn't want it for a long time. It's pretty well known. So, you know, you really have to um, uh, look at this and say, yeah, the tax revenue is important, but popular opinion has gotten to the point where it's pushed some people who have a dim view of the cannabis industry because of their own personal beliefs, you know, outdated beliefs, I'd like to point out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know you guys are looking at big states. I don't think that a uh, DC really counts as a, as a big market, but I think it would be nice to to put um, a couple of stores right across the street from the White House and, <laughs> and j- just to uh, just to show them that there is a demand. I don't know if that would help at all, but that would be yeah, nice. yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. But listen, uh, DC would be great for us. That would be very strategic because we're in Virginia. We hope to be in Maryland, so DC is quite strategic for us. So we'd love to see that state. They have a weird law there. I don't even understand it, but but uh, it's, you know, it's not a big market. No, not yet, but I would love to see you guys there as well. Um, so we've talked about a lot. Is there anything that I left out that you want to cover? I think you did a great job asking the uh, good, the tough questions. So no, I appreciate the opportunity, Josh. Likewise, Jim. Um, all right. Well, I guess with that, we're going to roll this one up. I want to thank my guest, Jim uh, Cassiopo. He is the CEO, chairman, founder, Jushi Holdings. Appreciate you being on The Talking Hedge. Great. Thank you, Josh. Thanks, Jim. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a -a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has can of conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects network.